0: What is it about computational
1: communication science? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to this month's episode. My name is Mario Heim. I'm a professor of communication science, especially computational communication science at LMU Munich. And today we address a rather broad question that is how to network in computational communication science.
0: Hi, welcome. Welcome. I'm Emma Domahidi. I'm an Assistant Professor for Computational Communication Science at Technische Universität Ilmenau in Germany. And I'm very happy to welcome today's guest, Anni Waldherr is joining us. Hi Anni.
2: Hi, hello, uh, great to meet you.
0: Really great to have you here. So Anni Waldherr is Communication Scholar by training, but she has a strong focus on digital publics, political communication, agent-based modeling and social network analysis. Together with Hayo Baumgarten at the moment, she also heads the Computational Communication Science Lab at Uni Vienna. Previously, Annie was employed at the universities of Hohenheim, Berlin, Münster, and visiting scholar in Oregon and Boston. She is an editorial member at several large journals and vice chair of the Computational Methods Division at ICA. The ICA will start in a couple of days, and it's our field's largest international conference. It will be largely held in present and it will be the first mainly on-site conference in quite some time. So we are looking forward to this, right? And for many scholars, especially in the very young field of computational communication science, it will be their first academic conference held in person. Obviously, academic conferences are not only for presenting your work in, but also for networking. So what are you going to do at ICA and what is the value of networking here?
2: Well, I think actually networking is uh, the most important reason to go to conferences. Sometimes, especially young scholars say, oh, it's so crazy that I, I travel so far away for giving a presentation of only 12 minutes or so, or even five minutes or showing a poster, but actually, um. Yeah, that's only a quite small part of what you will be doing there because most of the time you listen to what others do. You get to know other scholars and network. Yeah. You ask what I'm going to do. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> first, I'll start with a pre-conference. I love pre-conferences at ICA because it gives you time to dig into a topic much more deeper and get to know scholars working on that. Especially our early career scholars, I advise to go to pre-conferences or workshops too, because they're, it's really easy to get in touch with people. And you have a lunch together or dinner, and then you start out and you already know a couple of people, which you will then happen to meet again, maybe at a reception or so. Yeah, then of course I will give a few talks. I also bookmarked already some panels that I... Uh, Want to go to and learn about the research that other scholars are doing, and then receptions, of course. <laughs> I already mentioned. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess you'll also go to a few of them.
1: I guess when you first go to ICA, it's, it can be quite overwhelming as a as a first time visitor. ICA is a huge conference with up to. I'm not sure about this year's number of participants, but in the in the past. There have been up to 4,000 people running around in, in, in the huge hotels and rather dark uh, hotel rooms where the seminars and, and, and panels take place. We thought that we could probably also, given your methodological expertise, think of, about ICA or a conference in the realm of a kind of a network analysis in the sense that every participant of the conference represents a node and some of them are linked already because they work at the same institution and others are linked already because they might have studied together or because they have met before or because they have collaborated on a paper or a presentation. Now, if you're new to that, it looks like everybody is already in a meshed setting and already has his or her neighbors in this network. And I'm kind of the outsider, no connections whatsoever. What can I do?
2: Yeah, that's really a hard situation I, I remember being in that situation in the very beginning it really feels awkward when you go yeah into a room or on a reception and you know almost none of the people what i usually do or did is i i walk the room and look for ties and connections that I already have that are there. I mean, it's easy if you have a group of scholars, of peers that you go to with the conference, maybe from your institution, and then you can start the networking experience together. But if not, I mean, maybe you've been on Twitter and you know a scholar from there or you you already contacted them. That's how I actually also met some scholars I didn't know before, then said, okay. I think I know you from Twitter. We uh, chatted before and then this can be an icebreaker. Yeah, but usually if we think about it in in terms of a network, I really like this idea. You have to start somewhere, right? You have to create the first link and that's easiest if it's someone that you are in the same panel with or maybe that you have met at a pre-conference or workshop before or someone from your own institution and then you can go from there.
1: And I think it's always worth the efforts. it just that you can go from there. It's Everybody has some connections among 4,000 people that are all working in the same broader field. So connecting with the first person will always get you somewhere and connecting with the next person will get you some, somewhere else.
2: What is also always a good starting point is common interest, the joint interest that you have in a certain aspect. So maybe you are looking for someone who's using the same method or solve the problem that you have before. So I remember, for example, really browsing the program for the keyword agent-based modeling because I thought there has to be some (laughs) person, some other scholar in ICA who's using the same method. And then I actually found one and and I went to the panel. And when I then spotted the colleague later at the reception, I I went uh, to him and introduced myself and said, hey, we are using the same method, so uh, let's chat. So there are several starting points then. and
1: And, And that's, I think, also one of the greatest benefits is that you get to meet similarly wired people you you get to find colleagues and potentially even friends later on that are working and spending a lot of their time on just the same problems and facing the same life situations to some extent
2: yeah that makes it a lot easier i think than for example if you are at a party and you know nobody else and they do completely different stuff and sometimes it can be really awkward if you try to start a conversation and find out you have nothing in common or so. So that's actually not the case at ICA. Uh, People have a lot in common to start from.
1: And from there, I think a lot of creative settings can emerge. So when we think about the value of networking, why to do that, it's not just to not to be there alone and drink your beer solo and standing in the corner, but it's also for future collaborations, for future for ideas for future studies, probably, for future co-authorships or co-presentations for next year's ICA. Those circumstances at the conference are usually very beneficial to this, oh, you thought about that? Well, I, I had the same thing on in, in my mind. What could we do next? And then one thing leads to another and you, you create new ideas.
0: And I think what is similar to the party is that most people are there to meet people. So they are really easily approachable. They, sometimes people are in hurry because they need to attend the next talk or they need to give a talk. So that's something of course that happens as well. But in general, I find the international crowd at ICA really welcoming and easy to approach.
2: Yeah. And I think in Paris, in three years in a row or so, we had now in-person conference. So I think everyone will just be eager to meet people and get I think in touch so. <laughs> again and get to know new people and colleagues because we've spent so much time alone in our home office. Probably we'll, we'll get in touch with others saying, hey, we have been at the same Zoom workshop <laughs> and now it's great <laughs> to meet you in person. <laughs> mm-hmm. um,
1: Absolutely. What what other values can you think of when you think of networking? What has this maybe also helped you for your own career in the past?
2: So when you are an early career scholar, you might be anxious and think that you have to do specific things. For example, you need to approach the stars and get to talk to them. But what I think we often do not, recognize is the value also of indirect connections. So, yeah, in in such an emerging field like computational communication science and interdisciplinary field, there may be several clusters and at several institutions. And then ICA um, is an opportunity where, where we can build bridges to other institutions and other Clusters and meet friends of friends, right? So closing uh, triangles uh, in the network. Yeah, and if we then have an, a new node, uh, a new contact in the network, they know other people. And then later on, when, for example, I want to do a workshop or um, yeah start a new project. I have people I can ask for if they know other people. And so you can move on through the network. It's not just the people that you talk to right now, but also the people they know uh, that might be valuable la- later. Also, if you then look for a job. So these um, weak ties and indirect ties are really important. And then I think there are always two sides to networking. so. If you think in terms of out degree and in degree so one thing is you might want to reach visibility that others know you that might be an aim or yeah you you get to know about others and learn what they are doing learn new methods so this is the main reason that what i love about conferences so even if you're not the one standing in the group and the one that uh, everyone listens to and makes jokes right you might still um, get a lot out of conferences when you just in in smaller settings and one-on-ones learn about what others are doing and are genuinely interested in what they are doing right so that's actually how i uh, go about networking most of the time and then you grab a coffee together and really spend some time with a person that you've never met before (laughs)
1: at the end of the world Um, this distinction between the aim toward for example more in degree and more out degree is probably also a question of the level in your career that you're at and i i think we should distinguish these these levels later in this in this episode but before we do that can we maybe just take a moment to think about what so this podcast is about computational communication science and we've talked about networking and conferences very broadly now but what makes Computational communication science, special in this regard, maybe in a, in, a, in a positive, but probably also in a challenging way. So, computational communication science, I think, is a really new and an emerging field. There are lots, I would presume, lots of young scholars and first-time visitors this year. So, a lot of probably loose ties and insulations in the network. What else comes to mind when we think about CCS as a as an emerging field for networking
2: difficult question do you really think it's so different from other divisions maybe in ICA I mean we are a very young uh, field and it's very specialized then at the same time right so so the field is um, moving very quickly, and then we have a lot of experts that yeah, work on very specific problems. Ones are uh, experts on text analysis and machine learning and others um, work on computer vision and yet others on computer simulation models. Um, so
1: maybe backgrounds differ more. That's a question actually, but maybe people are more interdisciplinary in computational methods division and the computational communication science, which would then make this indirect link triangle Pattern that you mentioned before even more important. Reaching out to experts is more difficult because people have different backgrounds.
0: Well, I think we might, in general, network more with people in other disciplines. Not, not sure whether at ICA this is the case because ICA is mainly for communication scientists. So we have here this specialized division, computational methods division. That. Uh, Ani can uh, for sure <laughs> tell more about with a fabulous reception we have to attend all this year, I would say. But in general, I would agree with you, uh, Mario, that there is this interdisciplinary aspect that might be stronger than for scholars in other fields. So, Annie, what do you think? This reception, we, we already mentioned it a lot <laughs> and we want to recommend it to young and more experienced scholars, what is this reception and what is computational methods division?
2: We'll actually have a joint reception this year, again, um, with games, information systems, communication science and biology, and human-machine communication will join us too, this year. And uh, we like to refer to it maybe as the nerdy reception. Nerdy <laughs> <laughs> <The> reception. <laughs> Sounds great. If you go there, you can be sure that many of those attending are early career scholars and might feel just the same as you. So don't hesitate to speak to people and, and get into contact. And I learned about the value of receptions only at my, my second or, th- or third ICA. But actually, I think they are the most fun part because it's most uh, similar to this party situation that we have talked about before.
1: And it's it's the lowest barrier to get in touch with people, really.
2: Yeah, so you you start out and talk to a group of people and then can get in touch just to the next uh, group and just happen to meet people, yeah. And this is something, I guess, that in our Zoom-oriented work culture during the last few years just didn't happen that much. I mean, we tried to simulate this with... Uh, online gatherings, right? There are some platforms that offer uh, a similar situation, but it's not the same as being in the same room and having a drink together,
0: yeah. I think even for for computational communication science scholars, there are other divisions as well. So we uh, are not recommending you to only focus on computational methods, uh, even though this might be, of course, the most interesting one. But besides this methodological interest, all of you might have as well a topic of interest, so for example, if your field is journalism studies, then there is this division, journalism division. And the interesting thing is, in my opinion, that computational communication scholars are there as well. So normally, um, or let's say my home division was always CAT before computational methods appeared. So computational methods is a new division. So I think it might as well be worth to go to the other divisions. They have as well nice receptions, of course, (laughs) but still computational methods is something specific. I think we could distinguish some roles, Mario, as you mentioned, because I feel that it is a different thing how you could network, and it depends a bit on your current situation or current career stage. So for... Completely new PhD students and first-time visitors, which strategy
1: seems fruitful? Annie, you mentioned before you looked up in the in the program and bookmarked the panels that you are most interested in. I think this is certainly something that is a, a kind of a, a low-hanging fruit to first-time visitors. The program is there already before the, the conference starts. You could just bookmark what you're interested in, go there. And if maybe the, the presenter looks the same age, the same stage as you are, so maybe just approach him or her and talk to him or her, hey, I'm working on the same things. Let's, let's maybe grab a coffee and, and talk about some details I, I missed during your 12-minute presentation or, or I'm, I'm talking about, talked about in my presentation.
2: Absolutely. And uh, you can be sure that people just love to talk about their work and they are happy if someone is interested in and they can tell more than just this very short presentation. I mean, that's just a teaser, uh, I think, uh, that can start off more of a conversation and more interest later. What else can you do when you are an early career student? So there are actually also some specific events and receptions for early career students for example political communication division offers an early career reception and i think also there's a big ica reception every year for early career students and there you can mingle and really find other peers so i think this horizontal networking with your peers is very important at that stage so that you find others at other institutions
1: absolutely and I think in addition to that, it's if, if you're attending the conference and so is, for example, your supervisor, it's a very common way to also ask your supervisor to help you introduce you to people. Maybe list some names that are important to the work you do that you've read a lot from or that you've happened to stumble over in a, in a co-author list from your supervisor for example ask him or her hey can you please introduce me to this or that person um, i want to to meet them and maybe they have people with them as well and so you get closer and or more central in the in the network terms
2: uh, and also if you are part of a bigger team, uh, if there are more experienced researchers, advanced PhDs or postdocs and you see that they are standing in a group with people that you are interested in, at least in in, in our group, we, we tell the new PhD students, then just uh, don't be afraid, just come over to us and, and we'll introduce you.
0: And that's really interesting because you meet often people in clusters, right? So people from Vienna might be clustered in a group. So you just need to know one and then you can know the others. same is with the Germans, I think, because we I mean, already often met in national conferences. So there are these subclusters, maybe national subclusters, not only, but as well. Try to meet someone from Amsterdam and then you might get to know the whole group. This is actually a quite interesting strategy. I was told at some point when I was a young PhD scholar, don't always try to meet the stars. It's as well fine to have this horizontal networking with your PhDs. One day they will be the professors in the field (laughs) and then you know all of them. And I think that's as well an important thing that a lot of people are valuable contacts and we don't need to always look into the very busy, very famous colleagues
2: exactly i mean the most important thing is that you have fun so it shouldn't be an awkward experience all the time there might be some weird situations but you should have fun and and make friends uh, and some of the peers that you meet now um you will maybe start very uh long-term collaborations
1: and if not you had a great night at least or you had a great evening so it's i think this this fun part is, is very essential enjoy yourselves and join the social events uh, there is a big dance event even although not everybody at SEA is capable of dancing but still attends usually um, capable
2: <laughs> there it's even fun just uh, looking and observing <laughs> um. it's it's a voluntary single
0: dance event right <laughs> so you don't have to attend, but you can of course
1: and then there, there are also programs at the side that uh, you mentioned, the pre-conferences, but there are also Young Scholar events aside from the official program that you get into when you talk to others, especially from, from larger institutions that usually know about these events. Uh, sometimes there are industry partners giving a reception for Young Scholars, particularly that they sometimes also see for uh, as, as a headhunting event. But it's also a great, great opportunity to meet people and maybe you're interested in being part of a headhunting event also for for when you're done with your your PhD. And however, this year we have a little bit of a special situation. We haven't uh, talked about that before. We've said that ICA this year, for the first time in three or so years, is is being held in presence. But it's actually not. It's being held in hybrid. So you can also participate in ICA when you're not there in presence this year in Paris. And we've, we've said that this is more difficult. but. Can we think of ideas for, for especially for first time visiting or attending PhDs to also network when they're attending online primarily?
2: I think social media is a great tool there. So at ICA, we have a quite lively Twitter community and it's really easy to get in touch there and contribute. In the last two years when we had digital only conferences, there were some nice initiatives to amplify... PhD students' presentations. You can tweet about your contribution and say, hey, I'd love to hear your comments and then ask others uh, to amplify, to retweet. And I'm sure this will be taken up and will give you some more visibility so that people then might log into the platform and especially watch out for your presentation and then give you more comments than you would have if you just upload it and tell no one about it. Yeah, Twitter is really a a great tool if you have a profile there and be active.
1: You should. (laughs) You should be active there. I think on the horizontal level, it's also very fine to reach out to uh, potential colleagues of interest um, with the same interest via email. So if you see in the program or you see the, the recordings of PhDs that work on a similar topic, drop them a line, asking, hey, I, I, unfortunately, I cannot attend this year, but I saw that we're in a similar situation. Maybe let's have a Zoom call next week or something like that just to get in touch with people. I think that's a perfectly viable way to, to network also from afar.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And here it also applies. I mean that every scholar is happy if someone is interested in, in your work and wants to talk about it. So I, I don't yeah. know anyone who's <laughs> like, no, I don't want to talk about my work. I've only worked <laughs> on it
1: uh, for three years and now <laughs> yes, find yes. it only now. Maybe no. that can no, it's happen. Over now. So now you're off to other um, mm-hmm. uh,
2: topics, but, uh, but usually when you present at ICA and often in our uh, field, Computational Communication Science, we have a lot of um, work in progress presented. And there, people are eager to get feedback and discuss strategies of data analysis and so forth.
0: So now uh, we discussed a bit what PhDs can do, but the next role might be the mid-career. So these might be PhDs who are almost, I mean, or almost done with a PhD or finished with the PhD postdocs. Maybe assistant professors kind of rooted in the field, but looking for new options. I would think, is the idea here. I think a couple of things apply here as well. Have a Twitter handle maybe to be able to network with a community, right? Maybe have a Google Scholar account because uh, you have already published things that yeah, can be visible, maybe with an image so people can recognize you at a conference, uh, maybe I can recognize your face. But what else can yeah, mid-career people do to en- enlarge the networks?
2: yeah so in in this stage you might think about taking on more uh, leadership roles so may, maybe organize a panel that you are interested uh, or a pre-conference as ica officials uh, we often have new positions to be filled and we are always happy if, uh, if we find volunteers and if you are interested in doing that uh, don't hesitate to get in contact with the officials right now and uh, ask them, okay, what is it about to be a secretary or a vice chair? Uh, in terms of visibility, uh, this gives you a big booster, right? If if you send out emails to all of the members of the divisions and are in more of this uh, kind of leadership role.
1: I think this is also the, the switch that you mentioned before from the out degree focused PhDs to a more in degree focused mid careers. Mm-hmm. So the online presence that Emesha said, a Twitter handle and stuff like that, a website, maybe an own website, a web presence, is something that really helps here, I think, to build up a reputation to then be suggested in the triangle situation of the network to others, when someone is looking for the expert that you perfectly are. Um, I think this is also the situation or the career search where you can easily also uh, approach more senior scholars talk to them about potential collaborations, probably about potential visits and stuff like that. So mutual interests can thereby lead to, I think, connections between career stages here more easily than it is for for early careers or PhDs.
2: Yeah, I've experienced that um, senior scholars are often very much interested in what postdocs are doing. Because, I mean, this is the most productive stage of your career where you have already a standing in the field, and you've shown uh, you've done a PhD successfully, and especially in computational communication science and such a fast developing field, you are uh, really at the cutting edge of the developments. And so uh, senior scholars who might not have as much time for research anymore can then learn a lot from you. So you can be sure that you bring important expertise uh, to the field that also senior scholars are interested in.
1: And having said that, I think still horizontal networking is very important at this stage because you, you just said it's it's the most productive phase of, of your career. And this applies to, I think, all the, the postdocs, early postdocs. So networking amongst postdocs is usually fruitful in so far as all sides of the collaboration are interested in a lot of output So that's usually those collaborations that are very, yeah, fruitful for for all sides.
2: Absolutely. That's also what I thought that uh, it's really a pleasure to work with other postdocs on a paper. So these have have been the publication projects that were most fruitful to all parties. That's also my experience. So because everyone has an interest to do this and get this published, but also has the capacity to do it. And
0: so it would be a good idea to organize, for example, as well together something right and a pre-conference maybe alone or with other postdocs uh, sounds a good idea or a panel where you can bring this work together as well and make it visible at the ICA.
1: And, and reach out to a star to do the, the lightning talk for your pre-con.
2: Yeah, this one then also will give you um, visibility for the panel or pre-conference.
1: And even if it gets rejected, you got in contact with lots of people and con- colleagues.
0: So, mean now as a full professor in Vienna, you are more a senior scholar, one could say, from your career level. What is happening at this career stage in terms of networking?
2: Actually, I'm not in this position for a long time right now, so it will be my first ICA being in this uh, senior role. So I'm going there and seeing just what's happening, who is out there, what interesting rising stars might be there. If you are a senior scholar and you, for example, start a new project or you can fill positions, of course, you're interested in getting to know potential uh, candidates to join your team, right? So this is definitely an important thing. So in this sense, conferences are often also job markets, not explicitly, but implicitly, definitely.
1: One way for senior scholars to, to network toward potential future cooperate, co-operators or also candidates for, for positions, I've learned in the past, also to give workshops. So that's maybe also interesting to mid-careers and early careers to, to attend those workshops also as an, an opportunity to get in touch if the, if the topic is interesting and if even the, the person that is doing the workshop might be in an interesting position, that could be a fruitful combination as well.
2: What is another um, aspect for for senior scholars at ICA, at least for me, it is that I just am looking forward to meet colleagues again that I haven't met in a long time and reinvigorate those connections and find collaboration partners for projects that might write grants together or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's also a lot of horizontal networking on this level i think to find interesting collaboration partners
1: one thing i've also learned in the past is that some senior colleagues that are in the active process of recruiting attend young scholar panels Panels that are um, announced in the program as those panels where early careers present or where the best student papers are presented, panels like that. Also to get a glimpse at, as you said before, the rising stars. So that could also be a very good situation to to get in touch, um, also for the young scholars with more senior scholars.
2: Definitely, yeah.
0: And of course, what you mentioned before, maybe enable your group your team in their networking activities. I think this is as well a task for a senior scholar, which is maybe not too easy sometimes, right? Because uh, one needs as well to uh, make sure that everyone is included in this network and feels, yeah, welcomed by the others.
2: Yeah. So create bridges then for your PhD students and postdocs might sound now that's a lot of work, but my experience is that once you make a start, it kind of just happens and the com scholar network will absorb you. <laughs> <laughs> right. So <laughs> it's really not something you have to worry about, I think, in community of communication scholars because they love to communicate in platforms. So
1: The network is already very meshed in itself. And also ICA is is usually offering lots of starting points where you can um, see on on the name batches that people are interested in coding, for example. So you can directly approach people that are obviously interested in coding, if, if that's something that you could connect to, for example. Now, we've called this episode How to Network in CCS, and we have so far almost only talked about, well, networking at conferences or at ICA particularly, because it's coming up in these days, but what about other conferences and what about networking outside of conferences? Can we briefly touch that? Ani, how many conferences do you attend this year and how many conferences would you suggest attending?
2: Oh, that's a difficult question. Actually, I don't remember anymore how many conferences I attended uh, before uh, the pandemic. It just feels like, when I think back, it just feels like I was traveling all the time. So this year I attend ICA mainly and I've been to a smaller conference on media, media and publics uh, last week and then I'll do maybe another conference in in fall yeah so so usually I do one or two bigger conferences each year and then maybe two or three smaller workshops but I mean these huge international conferences, it's also a question of the budget, right? So I think it's enough if you do an, one overseas conference a year and then maybe an, a nation, more national or European, uh, European scholars terms, <laughs> a more regional conference that might be then for US scholars in the US or Asian scholars in their region. How many conferences do you go to?
1: I'm thinking also about the time before the pandemic, I think not as many as you, one overseas, yes, definitely, and then maybe two more regional ones. These conferences, um, they stand for different things, so the international one really is to get an upgrade on everything, meet lots of people that you know, and that's really the highlight of the year. And the regional ones, although being highlights as well, are usually for me at least more focused on the topics because they're also not as broad as ICA. If you go to ICA, you can you can see talks about a very specific aspect of health communication and then talk a talk about incentivizing certain measures in computer games, are all in the same hour. And if you go to a more regional conference, they're usually more focused topic-wise. So for me, these more regional conferences are more to get in touch about certain projects or topics. How about you, imagine?
0: It's more similar to your conference visiting pattern, like maybe two national conferences and a big international one. But then i recently started as well recently in the recent years started as well to go to computational social science conferences like ic2s2 for example which is again a very different perspective and a very different crowd but i did like it a lot so very welcoming uh, very very interesting people from really different disciplines and a great variety of topics so that was stunning for me I think that that's my conference, visiting behavior. I'm not sure whether there is a right or wrong because it always depends on how much funding you have, as Anja already mentioned, how much time you have, how much input you can uh, process. So I think there might be a lot of opportunities, but it is definitely important, at least for me, or I perceive it as important to go to, to the smaller national conferences because they really kind of make um, possible to meet your neighbors, if you want, <laughs> in this way, in the network, which then makes it mm-hmm. easier to orient yourself at these big conferences, because they might be there as well, and give you the starting point that, Annie, you talked about before.
2: Every now and then, I also attend conferences of other disciplines. So, for example, the, the computational mod- modeling community has its own conference in Europe, social simulation conference of the. Of the ESSA so I've been there a couple of times and that's also really mind-blowing if you uh, go to a more methods-oriented interdisciplinary conference I know that there are also for example for network scholars specific network conferences and this is also a really interesting and a completely different experience this vertical dimension for me, wasn't so strong at these conferences, because we were all people coming from different backgrounds and disciplines, but working on similar methodological problems. So it was really focused on solving these issues together and not so much about who's the star in the network. So, right? <laughs> and you, you get uh, completely new insights from other disciplines.
1: We mentioned budget as a... Um, an aspect that can hinder you from going to conferences another thing that can hinder you from from conferences your personal or private situation in that sense i have to tell you that i'm I'm not gonna join ica this year (laughs) because i have Um... a small child at home and well i'm setting my priorities this year differently so maybe we can briefly talk about network opportunities outside of conferences for whatever reason it is that you cannot go to a conference but how can you get in touch or get into the inner part of the network that is um, communication science or computational communication science, particularly if you're not at conferences or cannot attend a certain conference.
2: The pandemic has brought us a lot of opportunities for online workshops and online conferences, which are still going on. I observe a certain fatigue of participating in this format, but I think that's a really great thing that the pandemic brought us and I hope that this will continue. And this of course makes it more easy for you if you cannot leave home or for other reasons why you cannot attend a conference in person to to learn about others work or present your work and then as we said before um twitter social media reach out to colleagues uh, via email if you happen to to read an interesting paper
1: yes that's something that i think is very much underrated addressing authors of papers with particular aspects and things about their what you've read about them and and everybody i think enjoys receiving emails such as these that say hey i've read your work and i found this very interesting and here's a thought that i had maybe can we yeah exchange some ideas or have a zoom or a a video call and chat
0: and of course you can participate online so there are videos from talks so it's not like you cannot participate at all, Mario. Obviously, you can uh, watch.
2: Uh, I, my will, talks I will. I will. I will as a video, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I will double check this. And... <laughs> and you can, if you see interesting uh, presentations and scholars in the program, you can invite them to your yes. uh, courses and classes you give or lab meetings. That, that's what I also like to do a lot. Um, So if I cannot go there, I invite people (laughs) to come.
1: And and here again, the the networking effect is essential, right? Who do you invite? People you saw before, people you hear from others suggesting to you. So it really is a huge mesh of, of communication scholars that is important to be part of if you want to build your career in this field.
2: Another thing to add, so you mentioned actually the fact of being a parent and that it makes Conference participation more difficult. Uh, actually, ICA offers a lot by now, so there's been uh, been a great change in that respect that they offer uh, childcare opportunities at the conference. So you could just also bring your, your daughter along, uh, along <laughs> and I, I'd love to see a more scholars taking advantage of these opportunities.
1: And and smaller conferences also respect that in the sense that they move their timings to more central daytimes where the conference main program takes place. Some of those conferences they omit weekends in respect with respect to to family and 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 care situations. So yeah, you're right. There has been some change in this regard, certainly.
0: So I guess uh, Ani. We can meet you at uh, Computational Methods Reception, like uh, all listeners, if they are interested to talk to you. For sure, I will be there as well. So hope to see you all uh, at ICA. And yeah, that we
2: have some opportunity to network and have fun as well. And before the reception, we have the business meeting. So attend that too. So there you see the community in action, see a lot of faces
1: and open job job opportunities for future vice chairs and uh, representatives Exactly Thanks a lot Annie for your time This has been great I um I'm sorry to not see you at ICA in presence, but we'll meet virtually. And um, until then, I think everybody can uh, network on social media. And also this podcast is on social media. We're on Twitter. And if you have any suggestions for future guests or future topics or have feedback, don't hesitate reaching out to us or drop us an an email.
2: Thank you. Uh, It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Annie. And thank you all for listening.
0: Goodbye. Bye-bye bye What is it about Computational Communication
2: Science?